0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Okay, uh, after taking a good look at the uh, the film...
0: Is episode 30 of Seattle Overload, and we have recapped the Ken Norton Jr. Andre Curtis firing news in episode 29. So make sure you check out our thoughts on that. In this episode, Griffin and I are going to be talking about the new candidates for the Seahawks defensive coordinator and defensive pass game coordinator positions. And we're just going to look ahead sort of at the scheme that the 2022 at defense may be running the kind of differences that we present. But, I mean, what are your initial thoughts on that, Griff? Like, if, if you had to sum it up, um, how different is it going to be? Is is Pete Carroll suddenly going to become Vic Fangio?
1: I think the, uh, the names that are being floated between Ed Donatel, Sean Desai of the Bears, um, and then uh, Witt Jr. from uh, – Chris Witt Jr. Is that his name, full name? It is, yeah. From well, it, his
0: full name might be Christopher. Oh, sure.
1: Sure. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Um, but between them, I think it all signals that they're going to maintain their new schematic backbone because there was a scheme shift in 2021 compared to most Carol years. So I think Joe Witt Jr. Pardon me. <laughs> we're way off. Joe is not a derivative of Christopher, apparently, or nickname. Um, I mean, maybe it is somewhere not in America that I know of, um, what? <laughs> or Germany. Isn't Christopher of German roots? I don't know. Well, English has German roots anyway. Um, Germanic roots rather. That's not the point. Uh, the point, the, the point is, yeah, what did you think, Chris?
0: Well, he's the, uh, <laughs> the, the chief medical advisor and chief medical officer in England is Chris Witty. So maybe. Oh wow! Maybe that's what's um,
1: our producer has informed us that this episode is unhinged already. Yeah. Which is good. This is what happens when Pete fires defensive coordinator who mostly did a very good job. Um, so okay, so all these guys that are being floated, I think, signaled that they're given that the schemes that they live in, like coverage percentage, like it's very objective. You can just look at coverage splits. Um. I think they're going to maintain course and then just adjust some things here and there um so yeah i mean that's that's what i think before we like really dive into it do you think what 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 are these names Desai, decide donatel wet jr of course clint hurt what do they what do they signal to you as far as scheme and the most in the broadest sense what does that mean to you there will be some changes of course but
0: well well, firstly, two things. This will always be Pete Carroll's defense, I think. like, and, and And I say that, and he is 70 years old, and he may suddenly have had a shift where he's like, well, I'm going to have to open my ears and eyes up, and I'm going to have to be like, I might have to have a successor in some time. I'm going to just change. I don't think that's what's happening here. I really do think it will always be Pete Carroll's defense. He is a defensive guru. And it, from through various coordinators and through uh, certain resources we may or may not have um, accumulated, uh, we know that the verbiage stays the same, the calls are the same, the calls have always been there, and he has a ton of stuff he can lean on, right? So you say, what do these names signify? Well they may signify he's going down certain schem- schematic paths that he has done in the past, but it, but it is that he has done them in the past. You know, they have existed in the past and I've been looking at 2010 and 2011 footage because that's when Seattle was running more coverage schemes, more middle field open stuff, more that kind of deal. Um, but then there's also the other factor to these names, which is maybe they're wanting to play more man-to-man coverage. Um, but either way, the point being, you know, Seattle, Seattle has a clear idea of what personnel they want, and they also have a clear, like, massive catalogue of, of, of scheme stuff they they can run. Um, is the NFL. You can run what you will like. Carroll has his core concepts, which is turn the ball over, uh, take it away from teams, and, um, you know, don't give up the explosive pass. And there's so many different ways to do that. He's chosen his shaded um, shaded front, his 4-3, his but with 3-4 personnel. That's a constant, but in terms of the coverage and, 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 you know, what front they run off that, you know, it's dependent on what the offense is doing, obviously, but it's also dependent on what kind of personnel he has. And, you know, we'll get into that as well, but yeah, the names, the, there's some, there's some Cowboys guys like, uh, Joseph Witt Jr. And then, and that, that signifies cover one, the success he had as a DB coach there. He had his guys playing man-to-man quite a lot of the time, uh, Playing aggressive coverage, mixing in and cover two, but uh, they had a lot of picks. They led the NFL in uh, in in uh, interceptions, I think, with um, a, a big amount, which is also helped by uh, Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, they they led the NFL in takeaways with 34, including league high 26 interceptions, which uh, Diggs boosted with his 11 interceptions in total. But then there's also the the Bears guys, the Fangio guys. Uh, Desai, who's this like promising name, like a, a young coach. Same Chris Witts. Um, Joe Witt is is a young dude as well, and uh and and but but let's not. And then there's Ed Donatel, who's obviously Pete Carroll's old friend, and from all the way back in in the Pacific Tiger days, that program doesn't even exist anymore. But they coached together for a year. Um. Donatelle coached defensive backs, and Pete Carroll was the defensive coordinator there. His first defensive coordinator role, in, I think 1983. And Donatelle, you know, you look, you look at his time there. I go through the Pete Carroll literature, and uh, he's he's been a part of the the Jets program with Pete Carroll in 1990 to 1994, where they put together three, sorry, four seasons of really good turnovers production, like mid uh, low to mid 30s ranking the top five and turning the football over a sustained period of success. So again, you know, he has that fanjo kind of scheme experience. But Carroll's scheme was already already going that way in terms of where they were wanting to build it. And 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 they you know they have similar stuff that naturally defenses all do kind of do similar stuff. Just it's how they get it into it. But sure. um they were they were already doing that. So it, it might help. Now the the other candidate is obviously Clint Hurt. He would already been an outside linebacker's coach in uh, Chicago for, for a Fangio yeah. defense, and and so maybe maybe he's already had some kind of sway on the scheme going a bit more Fangio like because that's what he's had success with. He'll also know all of these other Fangio guys, maybe be in touch with them, particularly the size, obviously closer to his age group. But um, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so let's as far as how we evaluate these guys individually like you said Desai has his past defense numbers in Chicago um're we're, we're pretty good and like you said they produce a lot of turnovers um Robert Quinn also had a crazy season 18 and a half sacks I don't know his pressure rates were what they normally are i think he just converted a lot more to sacks without watching him I don't know like did, did Desai help scheme a lot of those maybe he did i don't know um, uh, but so it's kind of hard, like as far as one can from a distance, um, like evaluate a coordinator. I, I think of those names, I think that the size by far the most intriguing, um, just one Like He's the new kid on the block. Like that's, that's part of it. Younger guy. I think Pete would rather have a younger guy than not. Um, and then, 38. uh, 38. Yeah. And then Joe Witt Jr. And this is the same vein. Um, uh, the fact that the Cowboys played a lot of man coverage this year is really interesting. So did, so did the, um, the Broncos in, and, and the bears. And maybe that's part of this, but it's kind of, it's kind of hard to, to evaluate them independently. Um, but I think if I were to just identify a guy, I would be most intrigued by Desai. But then I think we also need to talk about how, they need to hire two guys anyway. They need to give one guy a defensive coordinator title, and then they need another guy to be the defensive backs coach. But from there, the, the idea of like two code defensive coordinator titles has been has been positive. And then there's also just if you just identify one guy, they still need to hire another guy to be the defensive backs coach and the passing game coordinator. So there's two roles they need to they need to address. I don't think they want to lose Clint Hurt. And maybe giving him defensive coordinator title is the only way to keep him. And mm, then if because you do he's already,
0: that, as you pointed out, he's already the assistant head coach. So and he had that offer, like you said, from Miami to be their defensive coordinator slash. He was in the running for that. Maybe not a concrete offer, but it was rumored he was in the running for that. So yeah, how how do you keep him? I mean, you- he's
1: maxed out on titles right now. Yeah, he doesn't want to be called run game coordinator. That's not how he's going to become a head coach. If he wants to be a head coach, which I imagine every assistant coach in the nfl if you were to ask them hey do you want to be a head coach down the line i would think most of them say yes if he wants to be a head coach down the line he wants defensive coordinator he doesn't want i mean i don't know the man to, to, would he be okay with co-defensive coordinator maybe but he doesn't want to be called run game coordinator he wants to be called defensive coordinator he wants to be dc yeah. um no that and doesn't he's only, mean
0: he's 43 years old you know
1: yeah he's 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 43. So, if if the other guy that they could, if they might take the job, but they may only want to take the job if they are also called defensive coordinator, that's where it might get tricky. So who becomes available to them might depend on what, what Pete does with, you know, how much guys are getting paid, who's called what, you know. But I think that Pete's pri- main priority is keeping Clint hurt. And then I think the only way to do that is to call him defensive coordinator. Maybe he accepts co-defensive coordinator, but I think he also wants to be calling plays. So who's calling plays is maybe the, you know, the, the, the real sticking point. If, if Sean Desai accepts taking a lateral move, even though he's not technically fired yet, but if he accepts taking a lateral move and is okay with being called a co-defensive coordinator and the passing game coordinator, but he's not calling plays. And if he's okay with that, then all right, let's, go for it you know mm. but uh and
0: i do wonder like he's obviously you know had the opportunity to develop fangio's defense away from fangio and and be a defense right. coordinator separate of him. Called the shots so, yeah but like with what i've rambled about with this still being pete's defense ultimately you know there's always that question of how much does that appeal to him and that's why you know one yeah, they have to wait to see how this head coach market shakes out and how that impacts the, inevitably impacts the assistants beneath them. But also, too, they have to interview these guys and ask them, you know, are you open to, you know, this is the scheme, this is what you're going to run. Uh, and so Desai, in the sense that he, you know, was, def- he, he is still <laughs> technically the defence coordinator of the Bears. Even, you know, obviously Nadia got f- fired and, you know, if the Bears say hire Dan Quinn, maybe Dan Quinn wants to bring in his own guy, or you know, they bring in a different guy. We'll see how that shakes out. The you know J- Joe Witt Jr. he he's in a similar position because he's been secondary coach and pass game coordinator for the Cowboys. Uh He's he did that for the Falcons. He's done that for the Browns. He's done that um for the Packers as well. He's the, just the passing game coordinator there, but like he's done that for quite a few years now. Would he want to call plays? And and also he seems more likely to be out of a job because Dan Quinn, um, you know, is almost certain to leave Dallas for an- another head coaching position, but then do they go and say, Hey, why didn't you call our defense Joe? Like right. we don't know where he's at. So that's what Seattle will be trying to find out. But right. her is the real obvious one where it's like, well, you know, he's been there since 2017 in Seattle. he, he seems like he'd want it. Now on the on the flip side of this, Donatel is sixty four years old. and Going to sound really ageist here, but like he's he's been a defensive coordinator for a while. Would he maybe be okay with like a a different weird title, like a, a Tater Smith kind of thing, yeah. where he just gets brought on as a DB guy, but he he doesn't actually call plays and he you know I don't know he gets an assistant head coach title or something. We we
1: bef- that, that I mean that makes sense on paper, but like also think about the total how 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 incorrigible of a boys club that would be can you imagine pete and carl and ed just three <laughs> guys in their 60s just you know hanging out that that that's 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 uh spells trouble <laughs> um that's you don't you, you got to keep the boys separate maybe a little bit um no, it will I, I'm, I'm if that if that happens, if they hire Donatel, I'll, I'm going to be waiting for the first photographer that snaps a picture of all three of those guys huddled together pregame, like throwing the football around. That would just be that would be good content. Um, Yeah. So then and then I think the other name, other two names, because I think we're going to get more names come out that they're going to interview, maybe just a couple. One that makes sense on paper is Mark Marquand Manuel. Now he has been, he has worked with Pete before, obviously as a defensive back assistant. And then he was Dan Quinn's defensive coordinator in Atlanta for a while. And then presently he's the safeties coach in New York under Robert Sala. And of course, Sala is a former Carroll assistant, but then Sala's kind of got a mind of his own. He's been adapting the scheme a little bit, although they run cover three the same. But then he's ran a lot of quarters too so that means mark Manuel has now has experience with like understanding how to install quarters and everything um and i bring up quarters and we'll get into this a little bit more in just a second here but i bring that up because obviously like fangio and staley and you know now desai and donatel they all run a decent amount of quarters or at least cover six but so what are these what are the actual differences? If we're going to talk really broadly for simplicity's sake, what, what are the differences between the Broncos, Donatel, Bears, Desai? Let's just throw in the Chargers for, you know, comparison sake. Staley has Fangio roots. And then the Rams, who Raheem Morris is trying to run the same defense. And then the Seahawks. Well, so, and you mentioned this in the, on the preceding episode, If we eliminate cover zero and like two man and bracket, which is PFFs categorization for some, those are three columns that they have. If we just eliminate those and then if we bucket together all two high coverages, even though I know I eliminated eliminated two man, but if all two high zone coverages and then all middle of the field closed or one high coverages as in cover three and cover one, they all range between like 40 and 45%. Um, so like the, the Broncos are like just adding it up right now. Oh no, that's, that's not, that's not true. What am I talking about? I can't do math. The Broncos are like 50 to 55% cover two or too high. Excuse me. The bears have been um, like uh, pushing. What is it? 60 Seattle's been, um, oh, no, 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 no. I'm way off. I'm combining cover three. I knew something was wrong. So, all right, Broncos, cover six, just under 20, quarters 11, and then cover 2.8. So, they're not really doing as much as we might think, you know, with the too high revolution right now. That's, you know, that's like 33%. The Bears cover six, 188 percent 7.6% quarters. cover two. So then Seattle, if you bucket cover two quarters and cover six together, they're also like at 36% all bucketed together. And then middle of the field closed, cover three, cover one. These guys are hovering between, um, well, I should have been, I should have have written this down, Um, like uh, 50 to 55%. So middle of the field closed, they're all bucketed together, 50 to 55%. Middle of the field open, eliminating cover two man. They're like in the 35 to 40% range, all these guys. So Seattle has the same middle of the field open, middle of the field closed splits as these guys. Where they get different is that Seattle's running more cover two than them, but if looking at cover six, the Broncos are first in the league, 19.6. Bears, 18.8. Chargers, 16.3. Rams, 15.8. And then Seattle is 12.4, which comes in at eighth. So Seattle's still running a good deal of what, you know, the Fangio guys are running. So Seattle's already running quite a bit of that. Now filtering by quarters, Um the Rams are running the most of that group at 16%. Broncos 11%. So maybe not as much as you might think. And then Seattle 7.7 and then the Bears 7.6. So Seattle... Norton actually ran more, at least according to PFF, more pure quarters than Desai did by roughly the same. Um, but then this is where so we can categorize the differences as they run the same amount of too high. But then Seattle is kind of doubling them in cover two and then splitting the difference between quarters and cover six um, t- to make up that that cover six like difference. So I know that didn't make a lot of sense, but so if we were, if they were to hire, say, Desai, I would suspect that they would just eat into that cover two percentage, drop, drop it down from 16 to like 10% and then add that to quarters and cover six. That's kind of the only difference they'd make it too high. Um, as far as middle of the field closed goes, this is where, I think Pete is really, really wanting to see some differences. Seattle um, ran cover three, much more than them, 40%. Actually, the only, the only Fangio group that ran cover three more than Seattle were the Rams at 43%. Broncos, 23.6. Bears, just under 30. Chargers, 31. And then Seattle is at 40%. But then cover one... Broncos are at 31%, Bears 22, Chargers 22, Rams are running very little 12%, and then Seattle's also running very little 12.9%. So the big difference is that if they bring in Desai or Donatel or even Witt, Joe Witt, who I forgot to mention in all this, who's running cover one at an obscene rate, 33%, they're going to live in two high the same. They're going to live in one high the same, but they're going to be running less cover three and more cover one. And then they'll be running a little bit more cover six a little bit more quarters a little less cover two and you know top down view superficially those would be the main differences um and that might speak to what pete was talking about with an attack mindset more aggressive it doesn't necessarily mean more blitzing or more pressure i muted it doesn't mean changing um how aggressive they are when they are in too high necessarily. Cause they're even though Seattle played cover two, it's not like spot drop classic cover two or Tampa cover two. Like they're, they're matching seam routes and stuff with their interior. So, but then that leads to the big question of does Seattle have the personnel to play more cover one. And that's kind of where a lot of this will hinge. Uh, I've rambled enough. What do you think?
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, and the other factor being the you know the the turnover thing, and you know the Cowboys thirty fourth in in takeaways, uh, the Broncos actually uh, which has led the league I should say the Broncos actually only had nineteen which was only twenty first in the league, but and the uh, the Bears I should add only had sixteen which is um was twenty seventh in the league, worse than the Seahawks is eighteen, uh, but still they they clearly want like you said that blend of kind of maybe a bit more slightly aggressive coverages along with uh you know the blend of uh taking the ball away and 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 as we said last episode they they didn't have that one thing with the in the hurt discussion that interests me is uh they can't really lose him now like he has a lot of leverage. Like That's I so much I,
1: turnover to yeah. if I
0: was yeah, if, I mean if I were Clint Erd, I'd just be like, you know, what, you're just gonna lose me as well? Because then there's no continuity. He's clearly a very good coach, especially um the interior three of uh Woods, Puna Ford, Brian Monet. How they take on blocks and run game, they're really good. And you, you can point towards the pass rush being disappointing and be like, what is Clint Hurt doing here? Like that kind of thing. But, you know, at the end, <laughs> at the end of the day, they can't really lose him. And so if he yeah. were to be like, um, well, you either give me DC or I'm going to Miami. And we don't know if Miami's offered him. Yeah. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, reported they had interest. That's about it. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then, so the other thing is the assistants they've got, they still have uh, Damion uh, Lewis, who has one year of experience, former first round pick. He was working as an assistant DL coach. They still have an assistant edge coach in Aaron Curry, who has two years of experience. Uh, they still have assistant uh, DB's coach, Deshaun Shed, who's had one year of experience and i think it's a bit too soon for him to get a promotion to defensive passing game coordinator but anyhow and then the big one is linebacker coach john glenn who's been in the system for 9 years which obviously matters like he's seen so much i imagine he would be given the task of teaching like the cover 3 spot drop like stuff and and also the basic linebacker alignments and run fits and, and all that stuff be like a big second level presence for them yeah. so he, he's obviously a very important figure who'd help out. But to me, it, it speaks like Pete just wants to f- uh, f- freshen things up. And whoever he brings in, they they need to have, the, especially the Joe guys, like uh, Hurt has worked with the side before. Pete has worked with Donatello before. There's kind of that element of working relationships there. Of Joe Witt is kind of the wild card in, in that sense. But... um you know, he'll have come with a Dan Quinn recommendation, I'm sure, for Pete Carroll. And so it's that kind of, um, or he would do. Uh, And so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of combination they can pull off here because, you know, they've requested an interview, but it doesn't say an interview for the defensive coordinator. for the defensive coordinator position necessarily, does it? It it could be for the passing game coordinator. Yeah, for all we
1: know they've already told internally hurt that you're the DC for all we know. Yeah. And that and they're, to- yeah. Yeah.
0: And they're off. All, all of these guys are, are getting, getting the, uh, and then it's, do they need to bring in a defensive line coach or do they trust Lewis to step up after one year? I mean, that's quite a thing, but right. to me it's exciting because these are, I, I mean, Donateau side, and we've, we've talked about that and how he's kind of the old guys, like just to reiterate, like the size 38 Hurt is 43, uh, Joe Witt is 43. Marcon Manuel, if they were going to um, go that route, which, again, like you said, would make sense. Remember, Quinton Dunbar credited him for teaching him the step-kick technique. He's just 42 years old. And then <laughs> there's our guy um, with with that youthful, fresh ideas, um, fresh perspective, fresh hunger, fresh desire uh, uh, factored in. Uh, there's also that guy, Chris Richard. You <laughs>
1: who the saints have undergone some scheme ch- changes recently. So he's been coaching. Like he knows how to coach quarter. I'm sure he's always known how to coach quarters. Don't get me wrong, but he's has a lot of experience with it right now. The saints, excuse me, the saints are running a bunch of quarters too. So that would, that would allow, that would allow if bringing him back as in a similar role, like as a passing game coordinator, which would technically be a promotion for where he's at right now. Cause he's like just the DP coach, I think in title, um that would also follow suit with not just pete going same old same old it's pete going okay we're we're maintaining what we did this year and potentially improving it or expanding it so that like he would, he would uh, also fit the mold
0: it would require a um a long hug though and yeah uh, a long hug
1: some group therapy
0: yeah. I, I, I was just thinking about the other potential guys. So Dan Quinn's not going to happen. He's obviously looking like he's going to get a head coaching job. Uh, I, I think if it didn't happen, he'd just stay as the defensive coordinator in Dallas because obviously yeah. what he's doing with Mika Parsons but it seems like that is going to happen. Uh, but Gus Bradley is, again, that's why they have to wait really and we, I, I say this and we'll probably find out tomorrow but in all likelihood, we're not going to find out the results of this for quite a while because they will want to wait out all the head coaching hires to see, ah, well, most of them, to see, ah, this guy's become available. He's intriguing. And so with that said, one of one of the guys who may become uh, available is, is Gus Bradley because uh, Rich Basikia is the the still the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And, you know, they've all vouched for him. They all want him there. But then, if he gets the permanent position, maybe he'll move on from Gus. Uh, I think the Raiders' defense was okay, but and then if if they, um, but if they decide actually we, uh, you know we want to fire Rich Basicchio, or, or not even fire him, but just hire a, a full time permanent head coach who is not Rich Basicchio, they might, sure. you know, bring in Fangio for instance. Vix Fangio is is out there, uh, or they might. Br- There's a lot of different options, but. Um, so, so Garth Bradley might then be without a job, and Bradley as a guy would kind of be a step backwards, right? Because, and and I say that because they they did really well getting pressure with with four guys. They did uh, they have some really nice pass rush games. There's some uh, stuff they do on third down which isn't that advanced, but, it, but it's clever. And when I say advanced, it's cover three, they rush four, but they have good games to get the incredible Max Crosby available, right? So it may not right. be that glitzy. But, but just the fact that you know they are running so much of this, this cover three, like the most in the league, um, but by quite a way, actually, if I just get it up now. Yeah, they're running sixty six point six percent cover three according to PFF. The next highest is the Rams with forty three point five percent, and that's quite a different brand of cover three. It just—I don't think Seattle can do that. I, I really don't. Um, yeah. And and we've sort of seen that from last year. So I—that would sort of surprise me. Uh, what do we know about Gus Bradley? Well, he—he he was the one who drew up the the landmarks um, that really like nailed down the linebacker rules for the cover three zones way back in the 2011-2012 kind of era she's obviously had a massive influence on on what the defense does but i just think seems like a a a kind of a a reverse progress move do you agree
1: yeah it 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 just doesn't line up with you know what seems to be their current schematic trajectory so um yeah I, i don't think i don't think gus bradley is really even like a remote possibility Um, not to be like harsh, like, sorry, yes, but I just don't, I think Pete's trying to go somewhere else. Um, Especially with the first batch of names being as, as they are. So yeah, I think, so we talked about, we we've talked about how we might see more cover one, but let's talk about why we didn't see a lot of cover one this year and what would need to happen for them to play more Cover 1 going into 2022. What are your thoughts there?
0: Well, we didn't see much Cover cover 1 because, one, the pass rush was somewhat unreliable, and Cover 1 is tight man-to-man coverage where your help is the free safety, uh, in the middle of the field, and you might have you know a linebacker in like the low hole kind of deal, but and then depending on the the uh, the offensive player's leverage, you, you can use a sideline as an extra defender. But most of the time, you're trying to funnel that your receiver towards that middle field help. But it's still a one on one coverage. And Seattle didn't have the pass rush to pressure and force that kind of deal out. Right. The right. the other thing is. Uh, and and by, you know, not have these guys having to run down the field ever, they didn't, so it's somewhat of a gamble in that sense. Now, the other thing, of course, is the defensive back talent. Uh, they had injuries. They didn't have their primary guys out there. They probably felt they had mismatches out on the field, in, in, in not in their favor. So, again, playing man-to-man, playing one-on-ones, is not as preferable as actually having, you know, a cloud and then zone help over the top. And then the, the final point, really, here is uh, the the, the skill set. And so Ugo Amadi, not to pick on him, but <laughs> he is uh, he's a very good zone nickel corner. He showed himself to be very good in that kind of half-quarter-quarter quarter vertical hook match where he plays high inside leverage, walling number two from the middle of the field. He, If two is out, he then walls the number one receiver. He is basically... Replacing the high hole rather than the middle linebacker, which really helped help Bobby Wagner in that Cleo coverage that they ran. However, in man-to-man, he really struggles. Uh, he 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 had, <laughs> he had some rough reps this year again, and he kind of got away with it. However, if you start upping the cover one, well then teams pick on the fish, the the guy out of water, the fish out of water, and they realize, well, Ugo, we got a mismatch here. Where where will teams? put their mismatch in the NFL they'll put him in the slot and they'll throw the ball to him They're, they'll find ways to get that mismatch going and so it would be a challenge the other thing is obviously Jamal Adams uh he has his positives in, in, in man-to-man coverage but he had a kind of a down year trying to match up with tight ends and stuff in, in one-on-one coverage and and so there's all these variables at play how you sort of make yeah. that work's interesting
1: yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. If, if you have to identify, like, one reason, I, the first thing you say, si- or, like, one player, I think the first place your mind goes is Ugo Amadi. unfortunately. Really good zone player, but just doesn't quite have it in 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 pure man coverage. And, like, when did we see them play man coverage the most this year? What time frame? It was that week six to, like, up to the point of Jamal Adams' injury. Um And that affected the depth. So like when you can play, when you can trot out a dime package, you can choose essentially who Ugo Amadi has to match up on. You can put him on the less dangerous receivers. um, And then, you know, you can also pressure and blitz and and affect the quarterback that way to further protect them, right. Uh, Protect them downfield. So they could do it when they were at, you know, they were at the the height of their health, the height of their depth, They, they could put together a package um and it was working for them but for a new guy to come in here they're gonna think well okay of the existing guys on the roster it would be nice if they could just stay healthy so that you can call that call that package more often but then from there they're gonna say i mean is gonna say like he probably looks at amadi's tape and goes i like what he does in your base calls but when i want to play man he's not going to cut it i would like us to try to target a slot corner go get 2017 2018 Justin Coleman if you can find one right and and slot him in there and you'd probably be just fine but then the other thing is he's going okay if we find a man corner if we find like a if we f- find a guy to be able to run man but we like Ugo and zone we're going to going to become predictable we're going to be uh okay here comes the man slot corner they're going to be playing cover one year not that they wouldn't be able to tell by alignment anyway but then it's Seattle will be kind of exists in a binary with their personnel it's like ugo zone whoever this other mystery slot corner is man i think they want a guy that can do both so maybe they think we need something better than ugo amadi that's hard to say because you don't want to throw out what ugo does well because maybe this guy comes in and isn't as aware in zone coverage and as smart and technique oriented as ugo amadi is in zone so that's kind of a weird catch-22 i think at least you say okay Let's have Jamal stay healthy, Ryan Neal stay healthy. If you bring back Sidney Jones, now ironically, Sidney Jones is the tallest of the perimeter cornerbacks, but I would almost rather him him play slot corner over Trey Brown or DJ Reed in the sense that I think he has better feet than they do. Like just pure feet, like two-way go. Um, And maybe that's something you can play around with. You can play around with with you know the matchups mix and match more when you've got depth like that those types of guys at safety and at corner you can you can make it work so maybe Desire or Donatel or Wit think that right or even Clint Hurt thinks like okay we can do this they but, did um, they did yeah. vary
0: towards the end of the season they uh, varied up how they played uh, bunch and stack combinations uh, rather than stab and juicing or is uh, it lock and level uh yeah. they they varied up who took the first guy to the flat and stuff like that they kind of ran a train on it um so
1: and it's a better effect right because they were yeah. having they were having bunch distribution problems early on it doesn't even matter if it was man or like a fire zone and maybe that's part of what pete identified with another reason why curtis or ken had to go tragically um maybe. but so okay so that might allow them to run more cover one, but then why would cover one help them? If we identify Seattle's defensive problem really being second downs, how would cover one help them there?
0: Well, it allows them to not give up the, the, the check down, right? You've they, got a
1: guy manned up on them.
0: They, they have a guy yeah. on the back. They can leverage that. Um, I was I was wondering actually if like maybe maybe it's more about trying to play man from base versus like the twelve and the twenty-one personnel a bit more often. You
1: know? Like ha- could be yeah. Just another ha- excuse to get tighter.
0: Yeah, and it, it lets you solve C gap issue if you're gonna play bear as well, because you have that exactly, strong safety yeah. down on the tight end, inside leverage basically locked out in the gap, keying the tight end for the fit and and the coverage, and you can peel with backs out the backfield and to add guys onto the rush, um, you'd have the strong safety on the tight end on the, say, it's 21 personnel. I guess you... Taylor can peel with a running back. If it's 12 personnel who choose to match up the second tight end, maybe Jordan Brooks. Uh, the problem, I guess, last year is, again, Bobby Wagner couldn't really run, so...
1: Yeah, and teams feel like, like to teams aren't afraid to boot against man. Like it's kind of, a the the release you, if you, you can kind of with the, the way the splits are, the release, the releases can kind of screw the defense. But at the same time, if, if the defensive backs can survive the actual release point itself, then you're theoretically more sound for defending boot because like, you don't have to worry about zone boot rules. You just follow the guy around on the field. Right. Um, So that could be a consideration so i think ultimately pete's saying how do we fix our second down issues he's saying you play more cover one is is playing more man is is one solution um for the reasons that we said you're simply like everybody's covered on paper right you don't have to worry about getting run off and then not being spaced for the check down right you've got a guy on him no matter what um but then the other way, and really, it's probably just a continuation of what Norton Jr. was already doing. Just perhaps do more of it, or also bank on bank on health. But like, I think for for starters, the new defensive coordinator is going to also identify we need more pass rush. They need more pass rush, and then they're going to identify probably or Pete is going to say, on second downs when we did have success, we zone pressured, meaning we got. You know, we forced the quarterback to make an earlier decision. We forced where the ball can go, but that also allowed our second level to kind of play, you know, get a head start essentially on where the ball is going to go into the flat. Um, Like the Cardinals game, I thought Ken called a great game. Coach Jr. or Coach Norton called a great game, like demonstrating, like he knows how to handle the second down issue. He He played more man on second down, and then he zone pressured things. Um, and that achieved the effect that they wanted. So I like, that was another reason why I felt like, okay, Pete's like, they figured it out. They're going to be fine for next year. They just need to add more talent, get healthy. But so I think they also identify those and go, okay, we need to expand this scheme, more actions, basically on second down first down, you just play your defense second down, you scheme more actions third down, you bring out your, you know, third down dime man package or your invert Tampa two, et cetera. Um, yeah, but I think that's those are the main levers that there is to pull for the new defensive coordinator. But I think all of it's moot if they don't improve the pass rush. Yep, so that's why also it kind of goes back to our initial conclusion firing Ken doesn't accomplish anything, hiring a new guy won't accomplish anything if they don't get another pass rusher. Mm. So, um, there might be marginal difference, but like, let's forget this defense. Ken Norton Jr. coached them to 10th in points per drive. That was And that was earned. That wasn't like, to me, fake. If you really break it down, where those yards were coming, when they were coming, the good stuff was by design. The bad stuff was also by design, but he's making, it was all intentional. It wasn't like random and sporadic. It followed from what their process was.
0: There's a clear structure.
1: Yeah. It's not like 2018 where they also were decent in points per drive. But like the results were all over the place. Like this this week they're giving up a bunch of explosives. This week it's a bunch of checkdowns. You know, like here and there. Like this week, were, or this year, there were clear themes. So like 2018, I didn't go into 2019 with confidence. I was pretty, I was pretty, I was having an existential crisis as a fan, not having a lot of faith in Carroll at that point, not knowing what the plan was with Thornton Jr., not liking the rostering. Like I didn't think they had enough talent. So I didn't go into 2019 with hopes based off of the results of 2018. Whereas I am in this case, because I think it's follows from more sound process. So it's on the next defensive coordinator, whoever it is to pick up on where Norton left off and then hope that John Schneider and, and Carol, because I think he's part of that improve the roster where it needs to be improved. But I don't think they look at the back seven and think any big changes need to happen I don't think they look at the interior of the run defense and think any changes need to happen. I think they just say, get Daryl Taylor, another running mate, you know, and you can do that via free agency and draft. So, and then we'll see the, the, the minor divergences in scheme, um, how they scheme situations more. If they do less cover two, more quarters, more cover six, just marginally. So that's, that's all I've got to say about that. Do you have any last, any last thoughts?
0: Uh, agree. Agree with all of your thoughts. just, Quickly, to touch on uh, why Vic Fangio would not be the hire. Well, it goes back to what I said at the start, that this is still Pete's defense, and Vic Fangio is very much, he has his own defense and his own way of doing things, and that would be a disaster if, if that were to ever happen because they'd just they'd squabble so much over, yeah, I mean, over who, it would just be a mess. They, they He wouldn't take the job because he'd know he wouldn't be yeah. able to run his defense. He'll get a different job elsewhere, maybe yeah. even a head coaching job, like I said
1: and i don't think pete would hire for all we know those guys are homies like they've met at clinics and and in and, and whatever whatever <laughs> events there are but like they both know they wouldn't want to work with each other yeah so whatever um, okay
0: make sure you check out the the, f- the first episode of this where we talk about ken norton and andre curtis uh sort of fill in the blanks of, of, of the start of this episode. And uh, please do like, uh, retweet, share it, and we, we appreciate you. Thank you for watching, listening.